0: Welcome to Bioethics On Air, the program that brings you thoughtful, in-depth commentary on ethics at the crossroads of science, medicine, and daily life. I'm Joe Zaylott, your host. We are a broadcast of the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia. Catholic healthcare today faces many complex challenges, both internally and externally. How can it maintain and foster both Catholic identity and ethical integrity in these times? And what is the role of the diocesan bishop in helping them do it? Our guest today, Bishop John Barris, will offer his insights on these and other important questions. Bishop Barris is the Ordinary of the Diocese of Rockville Center, that's in Long Island, and he was recently appointed to the NCBC Board of Directors. Our conversation today will be guided by the 2020 USCCB Administrative Committee document, The Pastoral Role of the Diocesan Bishop in Catholic Healthcare Ministry. I should also note that Father Brandon O'Brien is present for the recording and he will serve as a canonical expert as needed. Bishop John Barris and Father O'Brien, welcome to Bioethics on Air.
1: Joe, thank you. It's great to be with you. We are so grateful for the powerful witness uh, to the teaching of the church, the objective truths of our Catholic moral teaching in a very complex world and the service of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Joe, it's a, it's a great privilege to be with you today.
0: Well, it's a privilege to, to have you on the podcast and also to be a member of the Board of Directors, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. So, Bishop Harris, I was wondering if, as a new guest on our podcast, if you could tell our listeners a bit about your background, specifically your education, and also your, your pastoral and Episcopal
1: experience. Yes, uh, I'm the Bishop of the Diocese of Rockville Center, New York, which is uh, Long Island, New York, Nassau and Suffolk counties. It's a large diocese. We have 1.4 million Catholics. We have over 500,000 wonderful Hispanic and Hispanics, and uh, we have uh, Catholic Health, which is uh, with its six hospital sites and so a wide range of services that are faithful to uh, Catholic teaching. Catholic spirituality and Catholic pastoral practice. I've been the Bishop of the Diocese of Rockville Center since uh, January, 2017. Previously, I was the Bishop of Allentown, Pennsylvania from 2009 to 2016. And I, I went to seminary at the Catholic University of America in Washington I have a licentiate in uh, systematic theology, uh, a licentiate in canon law from the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross, and an STD in spiritual theology uh, from the um, from Holy Cross in Rome. I am very much interested too in the relationship between spiritual theology and moral theology. Hmm. Moral theologians like Father Dennis Billy, the fine redemptorist, has been making those connections between spiritual theology and moral theology. And the fact that we need to be uh, deeply in prayer in order to live the beautiful and objectively true moral teachings of our Catholic Church.
0: Excellent. I was wondering if you could tell me, and this is kind of a question that I've always wondered, and I'm sure our listeners are wondering too. What does a bishop... Do in other words what, what are your responsibilities and i'm thinking both ecclesial and secular and in responding to that feel free to drop on you mentioned that you were the uh, the Bishop of Allentown before coming to Rockville Center. Drop on your experience in shepherding both dioceses
1: yes it's uh, it's been a, a wonderful uh, apostolic adventure, and uh, bishops are successors of the apostles our Catholic belief that the Catholic Church is one holy and apostolic, apostolic meaning that we can trace the bishops and the 20 Catholic bishops in the 21st century back through every century to the 12 apostles and ultimately to Jesus Christ himself. So uh, bishops are constituted as pastors of the church when the Holy Spirit is conferred upon them at their Episcopal ordination and they received the tasks of teaching, sanctifying, and governing in hierarchical communion with the successor of Peter and with the other members of the Episcopal College. Uh, I think the the verb shepherding is a very good term. The bishop is a pastor or a shepherd in the church. A diocesan bishop is entrusted with the care of a diocese, which is also referred to as a particular church. The Diocese of Allentown and Rockville Center are particular churches. The particular churches of the world make up the one universal church governed by the Supreme Pontiff, the Pope, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, in communion with the College of Bishops throughout the world. So the Diocese Bishop possesses a threefold office which he receives at his Episcopal ordination. It's teaching, and that's connected obviously to doctrine and morals uh, and to the inspired sacred scriptures, sanctifying, offering sacred worship to God, and governing, just the, the ruling and uh, of day-to-day affairs in the church. Okay. All three of these roles are important in relation to the pastoral role of the diocesan bishop in Catholic healthcare ministry. In regard to teaching, The bishop has the responsibility of teaching doctrine on faith and morals, preserving and protecting doctrine on faith and morals. This is precisely the reason for the new particular law that I will soon promulgate in the Diocese of Rockville Center. Hopefully we can speak more about this in a few minutes.
0: Oh, we will. We will.
1: It's uh, sanctifying, and sanctifying means leading the people in his diocese to the sacred worship of God the celebration of liturgies, especially the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the celebration of the sacraments, confirmation, matrimony, and anointing of the sick. And I thought I would turn to the third part is governing. I'm going to turn that to Father Brandon O'Brien, who is a very accomplished canon lawyer. He studied at the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross, where he received his JCL degree. Father Brandon... Thanks, Bishop, and thank you, Joe, for having us on today. Um, When I think of the governing role of the bishop, it's helpful for us to perhaps think of um, our own American experience and our own tradition
2: here in the United States. We're used to hearing about there being three branches of of the government uh, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. And there's what we refer to as a separation of powers, which exists between these three branches in the United States. But, uh, in the Catholic church, we find all of these three branches of governance, uh, as well, but instead of being separate, they are exercised by the diocesan bishop in different ways. The bishop legislates by enacting laws, which uh, hopefully we'll speak about in a few moments. He exercises administrative power, which would be the equivalent of the executive branch in the United States. And administrative power has anything to do with uh, decrees, dispensations, appointments to different uh, positions or offices. And the bishop also exercises judicial power through canonical processes, usually having to do with marriage or or penal cases. Um, All of these powers concern the work of the bishop within the church but he also does have secular responsibilities as well. Non-believers, the the non-baptized are also to be considered and they are spoken of actually in the code of canon law. The the code says that such people, the non-baptized are commended to the diocesan bishop so that the charity of Christ of which the bishop must be a witness to all may shine also on them. So that's an important consideration for a bishop to remember, especially considering the work of Catholic health services. Uh, in the secular world, the bishop also has an important responsibility of articulating the teachings of the church clearly, making efforts to promote the church's salvific mission, particularly in areas such as health care and in education. The bishop should also make efforts to advance the church's right. To participate and to have a voice in the public square.
0: Wow! Well, so that's uh, that's quite the uh, the complete answer there. I quick question, uh, just a quick follow up: as as uh, and either Father O'Brien or Bishop Harris, when you were talking about responsibilities to non-believers and the non-baptized, correct me if I'm wrong: is the bishop responsible for the bishop is responsible for all souls in his parish, not simply Catholics? Is that correct?
2: That is correct, all souls, and so one uh, the the bishop would either be working with them directly with those uh, who are members of the, of the Catholic Church, but also those who are non-catholics um through uh, ecumenical efforts right and then uh, as I mentioned a few moments ago, even the the non-baptized the bishop does uh, these souls are entrusted to him for his care, and um, he he does have a
0: a pastoral a solicitude for for all people within. The confines, uh, the the premises of his diocese. Yeah, these are these are grave responsibilities, and that's it's 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 amazing, really, what um, what the role of bishop is, it, what it really entails. And thank you, Bishop Barris, for, for for assuming that role. Um, going back, uh, Bishop, uh, what I was wondering, what fostered your interest in bioethics and/or healthcare ethics?
1: Well, it's just. Uh, I had the privilege of taking classes with Dr. William May at the Catholic University of America, a really fine Catholic moral theologian, and uh, he certainly was an influence. But all of these issues that we're discussing today, it's amazing with how quickly medical technology moves and how quickly the culture of deaths um efforts to co-opt moral reasoning, uh, we have to be so strong as Catholics because uh, the objective truths of our teaching are an expression of the divine mercy and how we are made in the image and likeness of God. We need to express them with great charity, with great mercy, but also with a great passion and determination. And so, um, as I said earlier too, one of the things that has interested me in, in terms of you know, living uh, Catholic moral teaching, whether it's Catholic social justice teaching, Catholic anthropology, uh, Catholic uh, uh, gospel of life teaching, whether it's you know, connecting uh, the themes of Catholic integral ecology expressed in Laudato Si by our holy father it's so important to see how the truth is connected and interdependent and synthetic for instance in integral catholic e- ecology pope francis grounds it in a belief and respect and assent to the natural law a belief in the objective moral truths of the faith he is one of the greatest critics of the corrosive effect of moral relativism, what Pope Benedict would call the dictatorship of moral relativism upon society. And so also he sees a integral Catholic ecology connected to the Catholic Church's view on marriage and the Catholic, uh, you can't separate Catholic integral ecology from a respect for the gospel of life, the sanctity of human life, which is the foundation of every other human right. So it's I think one of the exciting things about ca- being a Catholic is to have the adventure of seeing how all the truths of the Catholic faith are liberating to all of humanity and how deeply connected and synthetic they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well stated. I, I was wondering if you could tell us the the process uh, by which you became a member of the NCBC Board of Directors. And, and also what now, Grant, you've been a, a member only for a very short time, uh, but what, what, is, uh, what is your role um, as being a member of the Board of Directors?
1: I, uh, because of Catholic health, this uh, wonderful Catholic health system that we have on Lyle island with six hospitals, and an incredibly wide range of service ranging from catholic cancer care to hospice to home care mm-hmm. we're really proud of it and um i think we have partnered very closely i give uh, my our predis- my predecessor here bishop william murphy is really a pioneer of a deep relationship between catholic health here on the island and the national catholic bioethics center so let me begin by thanking uh bishop william murphy for his his incredible prescience in that regard we've been able to uh continue that relationship to expand it for instance we are our ceo president and ceo dr patrick o'shaughnessy of catholic health He's working with Dr. Brahaney and the staff at National Catholic Bioethics Center in the SEER process. What is the SEER process? It's an ethical audit of our six hospitals by going into the financial codes to assure that Catholic teaching is being observed, respected, and championed. So I think in that gradual process of developing the relationship um, with uh, ca- with uh, the National Catholic Bioethics Center and Catholic Health, at the uh, every two years the National Catholic Bioethics Center has a set a very useful seminar in Dallas for the U.S. bishops. And uh, last December, uh, Dr. Joseph Beaney, the CEO and president of National Catholic Bioethics Center, and the chair of, of the board, Archbishop Gregory Amon, approached me and invited me to join the board. And of course, I was delighted. And I'm looking forward to my first meeting in November.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking forward to having you. Uh, Awesome. All right. So I I mentioned in the introduction that uh, this conversation is going to be kind of guided by the 2020 document, The Pastoral Role of the Diocesan Bishop in Catholic Healthcare Ministry. And Bishop Barris, or Father O'Brien, I was wondering if you could tell our listeners what this document is, why it was written, and what it seeks to accomplish.
1: Thank you, Joe. This 2020 document was produced by a subcommittee of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops and published by the USCCB. It's meant as a guide to diocesan bishops to assist them in their collaboration with Catholic health ministry in their diocese. The document begins by placing Catholic health in the context of the gospel. Catholic healthcare does not exist for its own ends. (coughs) Instead, it participates in and fosters the healing mission of Christ Paragraph three states that Catholic healthcare is animated by Christian love, and this is central to all aspects of healthcare within the church. The document highlights various challenges and opportunities that Catholic healthcare ministry faces in the United States, including the unsustainable growth in healthcare spending, the growth of competition from non-traditional providers of healthcare, and cultural pressures that have led politically influential groups to claim that elements of Catholic teaching are incompatible with emerging standards of medical care. The document also speaks to the responsibility of the diocesan bishop and the various ways that the role of the diocesan bishop can be expressed in healthcare ministry. The expression of these roles recalls the threefold office of the bishop, which we spoke of a few minutes ago. As teacher, the bishop has the responsibility of safeguarding the moral and doctrinal integrity of Catholic health care. As sanctifier, the bishop ensures that those who benefit from Catholic health care have access to the sacraments and receive pastoral care. As the governor, the bishop coordinates the healing ministries in his diocese in the interest of the common good. The document also encourages consistency, and this is something that the diocese bishop should ensure so that Catholic health services remain faithful to their mission and to the moral and theological teachings of the church.
0: Yeah, Hmm. very interesting. So we're we're gonna be talking about this this document, the pastoral role, and we'll be talking about it in light of certainly the Diocese of Rockville Center, the the diocese for which you're the ordinary. Um, and we've already talked a little bit. or You started to to mention a little bit Catholic Health, the the Catholic healthcare system um, uh, in your diocese. I was wondering if you could, if, if there's any more of an overview you wanted to give us of Catholic Health before moving into kind of applying the document uh, to Good that. To I'm going to turn diocese. this
1: to our expert canonist,
0: Father <laughs> O'Brien. All right,
1: Father O'Brien. Um,
0: The Catholic Health
2: Ministry within the Diocese of Rockville Center is carried out largely by Catholic Health. We say largely because Catholic Charities also offers a number of health-related services in the diocese. Catholic Health is a civil corporation which is separately incorporated from the civil corporate entity which we know as the Roman Catholic Diocese of Rockville Center. In uh, accordance with its bylaws, Catholic Health is a membership corporation governed by the corporate members who have certain reserve powers, and these powers would include uh, ensuring Catholic identity in its mission. And it's also governed by its board of directors who are responsible for operating the hospitals and uh, other healthcare entities that comprise Catholic Health. The corporate members who make up Catholic health are the diocesan bishop, the president of the congregation of the infant Jesus, the provincial superior of the Daughters of Wisdom, and the provincial superior of the Franciscan missionaries of Mary. It's the responsibility of the diocesan bishop to uphold Catholic identity and fidelity that goes back to the office of teaching, which we spoke of a few moments ago as well. And the bishop upholds the Catholic identity um, in the diocese and is also empowered under the bylaws to appoint uh, other corporate members to ensure that Catholic health is faithfully fulfilling its mission at all times.
0: Yeah. So Bishop Barris, moving to the the pastoral rule document. So uh, sections 8 and 10 of the document state the following, quote, the bishop has the responsibility and right to exercise his authority over all apostolates in his diocese, including that of health care. It is the bishop's obligation to ensure doctoral and moral integrity, which mentioned earlier, in the witness and practice of all Catholic institutions within the diocese. It is therefore the responsibility of the diocesan bishop, in cooperation with religious institutes and other sponsors, along with all those involved in the ministry of healthcare to ensure the Catholic identity of all healthcare organizations is maintained and strengthened." So Bishop Barris, how do you, as the bishop, ensure that Catholic identity and ethical integrity is, quote, maintained and strengthened within the healthcare ministries in the Diocese of Rockville Center, particularly with regard to Catholic health?
1: Joe, yes, uh, these sections are very important in that they articulate the responsibilities of the diocesan bishop concerning the various apostolates in his diocese. The universal law of the church states that the diocesan bishop has the responsibility and right to exercise authority over all apostolates in his diocese. This would include that of health care. The pastoral role document states explicitly in section 10 that the promulgation of the current edition of the ethical and religious directives for, for Catholic healthcare services as particular law can help to ensure that we are maintaining and strengthening our catholic identity this document sometimes abbreviated as the ERDs is currently in its 6th edition it was published by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in 2018 in order to help guide catholic healthcare In 2019, I published a decree establishing the sixth edition of the ERDs as Particular Law in the Diocese of Rockville Center. We are currently updating our own Particular Law and supplementing the ERDs with further directives and guidelines. This is because technological and medical advances, along with changes in the law, must always be taken into account. Because of these changes, it is important for the diocesan bishop to revisit the directives he has implemented from time to time. We have included a section to reflect issues concerning gender dysphoria and requests for gender transition. Recent changes in medicine and society have led to an exponential increase in people identifying as transgender or being diagnosed with gender dysphoria. Currently, there is an unprecedented number of life-altering clinical interventions being performed on a large number of patients from children to adults. Many of the proposed interventions and the ethical and clinical justifications, therefore, are inconsistent with authentic respect for human beings as embodied persons, as male and female, as well as with sound clinical research and medicine. This guidance is intended to help all engaged Catholic healthcare ministries to offer life-giving, compassionate care to those struggling with gender dysphoria while avoiding interventions that are inconsistent with the Catholic faith. We are also providing guidance regarding referrals for medical care. If patients ask for referrals for medical procedures which are intrinsically immoral, we have outlined what is and is not permitted as far as cooperation goes. One of the ways that we have attempted to maintain and strengthen the Catholic identity of our healthcare organizations is by training, hiring, and consulting with bioethicists, medical personnel, and moral theologians whose beliefs are faithful to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. For example, when implementing the ERDs and promulgating supplemental guidelines and directives, we have done this in consultation with the expertise of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Just next week, our own St. Agnes Cathedral will be hosting a series of two-day seminars about Catholic healthcare ethics. It will be presented by the National Catholic Bioethics Center. With regard to maintaining and strengthening Catholic identity in healthcare, uh, we've have, we have a, a wide range of efforts to champion that Catholic I- identity and fidelity to Catholic moral teaching. We've been working very consciously to um, just make our 133 parishes uh, be more understanding of all the wonderful services for, that are given by Catholic health, in a wide range of ways, services that are completely faithful to Catholic teaching. We also uh, periodically review and strengthen our sacramental practices among chaplains. Our dedicated priest and deacon hospital chaplains are uh, just, um, we have a lot of ongoing formation for them that's very much connected to the uniqueness of serving in a hospital setting. In terms of our Catholic Health Board, we spend a lot of time in terms of ongoing board formation as, we, um, as various new board members are proposed with a range of very necessary expertises for the mission of Catholic Health. We're very careful to make sure that um, their consciences are respected and that, uh, they can serve on this vibrant Catholic health board with a conscience that's faithful to Catholic moral teaching. And won't be surprised. Certainly all of us are in need of ongoing formation in terms of the moral teaching of the church in an increasingly complex world. And yet we have this great sense of, uh, board members who are faithful to Catholic moral teaching and are very open to learning more about it and being more deeply formed in. Also, we're very attentive to uh, strengthening our Catholic identity in terms of marketing, whether it's uh, all the whole range of social media marketing, uh, marketing on cable TV, we're very, very careful that We cast a beautiful net all over Long Island, but we're very careful to make sure that one of the beautiful dimensions of what we are is precisely our Catholic spirit, our Catholic mission, our Catholic identity that is inclusive uh, and helpful and of service to everyone on Long Island. Also in terms of uh, employee recruitment, an ongoing formation of employees and the various departments that work. We've it's we're really uh, we've got a very vibrant uh, CEO, Dr. Patrick O'Shaughnessy, his administrative team. Uh, They're working very carefully with a wide range of people to make this Catholic uh, identity and mission to shine even more strongly.
0: Very good. Lots uh, lots to unpack. There's one thing that I'd like to, to kind of focus back on, and, and it's something you said at the beginning of that response, having to do with the ethical and religious directives promulgating them as particular law. And it was actually my next question, so it, it kind of works out well. Uh, but, but section 10 of the pastoral rule document states that a bishop, quote, may find it useful to promulgate the current edition of the ethical and religious directives as particular law in his diocese. Now you said you've just done, or you did that in 2019, you, you mentioned that earlier. I, w- I was wondering, and maybe this, is, this goes to the canon law uh, par, par, uh, to Father O'Brien here, but I was wondering, just what is particular law? A- and what does it mean to promulgate the ERDs as particular law in a diocese?
2: That's a very good question, Joe. Um, the Bishop earlier referred to the difference between the universal and the particular churches Particular churches are the individual dioceses throughout the world, which are governed by a diocesan bishop, and the universal church is the union of all these particular churches. This union is the Catholic church under the governance and the leadership of the pope in communion with the College of Bishops. Now laws within the church have a very similar distinction. Universal laws are those laws which apply to the universal Catholic church throughout the world. These laws are found primarily in the Code of Canon Law, and there are two codes, actually, of uh, Canon Law. The Code of Canon Law, which was promulgated in 1983, applies to the Latin Church, and there is also an Eastern Code of Canon Law which applies to Eastern Catholic Churches, and that was promulgated in 1990. In contrast to the Universal Code of Canon Law, particular laws are territorial, There are laws which are binding only on those persons and entities within a diocese where the particular law is promulgated. For example, a a particular law in the Archdiocese of New York is binding within that archdiocese, but wouldn't be binding here in the Diocese of Rockwell Center. It's not a perfect analogy uh, because the Catholic Church is unique. The Catholic Church is sui generis, but there's a useful image to help us understand the distinction between particular and universal laws, and we can sort of return to that uh, American image of our own legal tradition. That's the image between the federal and the state governments. The federal government is led by an executive, the president, just like the universal church is governed by the pope. And federal law is guided by the Constitution of the United States and its amendments. The ecclesiastical equivalent would be the the code of canon law whose laws guide the universal church. At the same time, states have a particular amount of autonomy and latitude to make their own laws as long as they're in accord with the federal constitution. This is similar to the particular churches, the dioceses of the church. The church uh, subscribes to what's called the principle of subsidiarity, which states that responsibilities for the many facets of life and governance should be committed to the most local level that is effectively equipped to meet the needs of individuals. Therefore, while the Code of Canon Law sets out many universal laws, many of these laws outline various guidelines and parameters, which then allow a good deal of latitude and flexibility for national conferences of bishops, or diocesan bishops to enact particular laws which speak to the unique experience of different dioceses. And this is what uh, we've done with the, the ERDs. The ERDs are guidelines and directives that have been published by the USCCB and by making them particular law here in this diocese, the directives, the ERDs become laws which are binding for the Diocese of Rockville Center and all of its related entities. And this would include Catholic health. Mm -hmm. And um, just one final note a particular law comes into being when it's promulgated. However, the law doesn't become binding until a month after its promulgation. And this is so that those who are bound to the law are given the appropriate amount of time to uh, prepare for it. And uh, this time period is Referred to in the law as in Latin "vacatio legis" or uh, in English uh, "vacation of the law" until uh, that month period is over.
0: Interesting. I, I was wondering, Father O'Brien, how would someone? Now obviously, you said that the, the ERDs have been promulgated as particular law in the diocese of Rockville Center. If someone were in, you know, the archdiocese of Los Angeles or Chicago or Omaha or wherever they are. And they were interested to find out if the if the ERDs had been promulgated in that diocese. Is that public information? Can people find that out?
2: Well, the way that laws are promulgated is that they do have to be published for okay. people to be aware of this. And the way we do this here in the Diocese of Rockville Center is we publish it on the diocesan website. Uh-huh. So, And it's published for that month period before the laws become binding. And so for a law to um, be promulgated and eventually become binding, it would have to be published one way or another. And okay. so it is a public uh, event that does take place and that people should be privy to within their own dioceses.
0: Got it. And just and just for my clarity, and this goes back to um, something that Bishop was talking about a little bit earlier, the guidance on gender and the guidance on um, uh, uh
1: The referrals,
0: referrals, thank you. That's going to also be particular law, at some point, particular law in the Diocese of Rockville Center. And
2: that's what the bishop was speaking of a few moments ago. Um, The ERDs were published in 2018. In 2019, we made the ERDs particular law, and now we are updating that particular law with additional guidelines and directives having to do with uh, those various issues which we've been discussing.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to those coming out. Uh, follow-up to that question, the, I, I, I really uh, I found the, the word, uh, the, well, the pastoral role document says that a bishop may find it useful to promulgate the current edition of the ERDs. I find the word useful um, kind of curious, but uh, Bishop Barrett, I'm wondering how useful, and I, I think we have the answer to this already, but how useful are the ERDs in exercising oversight of Catholic health or Catholic health care as a whole, but I guess in particular Catholic health um, in your diocese? And, and yeah. can you offer any concrete examples of how the ERDs uh,
1: were used? Yes, Joe. In the Diocese of Rockville Centre, the ERDs are used system-wide to assist us in the Catholic missionary spirit of Catholic Health. They challenge and encourage all of us in healthcare and especially in Catholic Health to live a more deeply committed life to recognizing the sanctity of human life and the power of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our daily. Healthcare work. Part four of the ethical and religious directives offer directives for issues in care for the beginning of life. In its introduction, it states, the church's defense of life encompasses the unborn and the care of women and their children during and after pregnancy. In a concrete way, we have attempted to provide this care through Emily's gift, a ministry which offers a special bereavement program for families suffering and early pregnancy loss. Gabriel's Courage offers perinatal support for parents who received a life-limiting perinatal diagnosis. We also have a pregnancy support program which works in concert with family, Family Care Center. We're very proud of our Gianna Centers on maternal fetal medicine, radiology, sonography. Part 5 of the ERDs offers directives for issues in care for the seriously ill and dying. It states in its introduction that, as a witness to its faith, a Catholic health care institution will be a community of respect, love, and support to patients or residents and their families as they face the reality of death. We have ensured that our hospital chaplains are well prepared to provide the sacraments of the church to those in need and to offer prayerful support to families. We're also grateful to our Good Shepherd Hospice, which provides professional grief support and Catholic spirituality for adults and children throughout Long Island.
0: Yeah, so I can see the ERDs are are used quite extensively in the Diocese of Rockville Center. It's it's great to hear. I'm wondering, so Bishop Harris, I, I, in addition to implementing the ERDs um, and Catholic moral teaching, how do you, as a bishop, help Catholic healthcare institutions as a whole resist the, what? We, well, probably mostly secular events, uh, excuse me, mostly secular efforts to make them non-Catholic? And I'm not gonna ask you to, to comment on any of these things specifically, but we know today the Biden administration um, you know, Joe Biden, through his executive orders, through the uh, Health and Human Services, is seeking to force abortion, contraception, so-called gender-affirming care on, on all health care institutions and providers, including Catholic health care. We know that professional health associations are seeking to remove conscience protections for physicians and force referrals, again, things that you're going to be um, addressing in, in particular law in your diocese, which is fantastic. We also see the... The secular media, we see academic institutions, even some Catholic institutions that, well, for lack of a better term, reject church teaching, especially um, re- especially teachings related to life and, and healthcare issues. And again, not asking you to comment on any of those particular, but in that context, how do you, as a bishop, help Catholic healthcare um, institutions and Catholic health? Um, That system. How do do you help them to resist those secular those efforts to make them non Catholic?
1: Well, first of all, prayer and encouragement are really critical. Uh, We must pray for the strength to persevere in an unapologetically living our Catholic faith and providing care that's very clearly faithful to the teachings of the Gospel and the objective moral truths as taught by the Catholic Church. Um, we must continue to pray for the conversion of people's hearts and minds toward a culture of life which respects the dignity of the human person created in the image and likeness of God. At the same time, we at Catholic Health are clear-sighted and very vigilant Mm -hmm. about the current federal administration's advocacy of a so-called super rule, which is now awaiting final promulgation and threatens to egregiously and unjustly force our Catholic hospitals to be involved in abortion, sterilization, in vitro fertilization, and transgender surgeries, even on minors. As I mentioned, as diocesan bishop, it is my obligation to uphold and protect Catholic moral teaching, and so our Catholic institutions will not participate in anything that forces healthcare workers to violate their consciences or the dignity of the human person, or the religious liberty rights of all Americans. Affected Catholic and faith-based institutions around the United States, including Catholic health, are well positioned to fight the super rule of the courts should that become necessary. Catholics and goodwill people of all faiths must be prepared (coughs) to make their voices heard for the sake of the conscience and religious liberty rights of all Americans. We are proud that Catholic Health on Long Island is at the forefront of promoting and protecting these rights of all Americans by opposing the unjust super rule.
0: Yeah. Amen. And uh (laughs) I I I can't speak as the president of the N C B C but I think I can I could speak for him in this case. You you have our you have our support, our 100% support in those efforts, and, and we're, we're fighting them too. So um, so thank you, thank you for saying that. Um, Bishop Paris, moving on, the, uh, the pastoral role document next focuses on collaboration, and it identifies various constituencies that impact Catholic healthcare. For example, sponsors of healthcare institutions, administrators, outside institutions like hospices, and, and social service programs like Catholic Charities. In section 15 the document states quote The diocesan bishop is in a unique position to foster this collaboration and has a duty to do so. In exercising their pastoral role in the Catholic healthcare ministry, diocesan bishops are encouraged to invite those who govern and manage these ministries to join in the effort to support and stimulate initiatives that will preserve and extend the healthcare ministry and ensure its catholic identity. unquote How do you, as a bishop, foster collaboration among various constituencies in your diocese? And in doing so, how do you, quote, support and stimulate, unquote, initiatives that will ensure Catholic identity and ethical integrity?
1: One of the first things a bishop can do is to ensure that well-qualified and reliable personnel are hired in governing and managerial uh, positions. People who have a standard of excellence in terms of healthcare, people who are radically faithful to the objective truths of Catholic moral teaching as expressed in healthcare. (coughs) By being prepared and willing to collaborate with other entities and institutions, this allows us to advance our goal and further our mission. Our president and CEO at Catholic Health, Dr. Patrick O'Shaughnessy, has been a dynamic and forward-thinking leader in these collaborative efforts.
0: Have these efforts been successful in your in your uh, in your judgment?
1: Because of these efforts, we've been able to transform from a hospital system to a healthcare system. Catholic Health consists of an integrated network of six acute care hospitals, twelve ambulatory care locations, four cancer institute locations, thirteen outpatient rehabilitation locations over 2,300 Catholic health physician partners and numerous other facilities. None of this would be possible without our collaborative efforts. Our goal is to be recognized as the most trusted healthcare system on Long Island. The way that we can continue to improve is by continuing to grow, not only in our ability to deliver the right and most excellent care in the right place at the right time, but by doing so in a manner that is faithful to our Catholic mission.
0: Well stated. Bishop Barrett, the Catholic, uh, or excuse me, the, the pastoral role document also addresses uh, collaborative arrangements or situations where Catholic healthcare partners with a non-Catholic or a secular institution for some health-related, health-related purpose. Now, ERD 67, which is actually cited in the document, states the following. Each diocese and bishop has the ultimate responsibility to assess whether collaborative arrangements involving Catholic health care providers operating in his local church involve wrongful cooperation, give scandal, or undermine the church's witness. In fulfilling this responsibility, the bishop should consider not only the circumstances in his local diocese, but also the regional and national implications of his decision." Unquote. What does directive, What does this Directive 67 guidance mean in a practical sense for you, and how do you as a bishop implement it, and, and what's the, the oversight process?
2: I'm going to jump in, Joe, since uh, sure. this is um, part and parcel to our updating of the ERDs as a particular law. And um, one of the parts of our updating of the guidelines is uh, actually offering of guidance for ERD Part Six, which talks about mm-hmm. uh, referrals and uh, talks about uh, collaborative arrangements. So, Section Six of the ERD treats this topic of collaborative arrangements with other healthcare organizations and providers, even those that aren't necessarily Catholic. In a practical sense, we see this particularly in the case of medical referrals for various treatments which people might be seeking. As far as referrals for care are concerned, it's important that there be no cooperation with anything the Church would consider intrinsically immoral. The religious beliefs of Catholic healthcare ministries and the conscientious judgments of many faithful pro-life healthcare professionals are under increasing attack in the United States. Even when they are not required to provide unethical interventions, some people still expect and even demand referrals to facilitate access to the interventions that they might be seeking. This approach to referrals has been expressed in legislation and in standards of practice of medical societies. And so, as I said as part of our task, it's an update of the ERDs and the issuing of these supplemental guidelines. We intend to support Catholic healthcare ministries and professionals in meeting legal and professional standards wherever possible, while helping them to avoid formal cooperation in evil. While clinicians might be subject to professional and even legal expectations, they should not formally cooperate with moral evil, even in the face of pressures or demands. Our our particular law in the Diocese of Rockville Center states that Catholic health care ministries may not provide referrals for clinical interventions that constitute intrinsically evil actions, as defined in authoritative church teachings and or the ERDs, as could constitute formal cooperation in immoral evil. This would apply to such procedures as gender transitioning and anything involving the direct taking of human life, including
0: abortion, euthanasia or assisted suicide. Yeah, very well, very well stated. Uh, I'd like to go back to the quote uh, or, uh, or Directive 67. Um, particularly the first part that I, I read a little bit earlier. It said each, quote, each diocese of bishop has the ultimate responsibility to assess whether collaborative arrangements involving Catholic health providers operating in his diocese might involve wrongful cooperation, give scandal, or undermine church witness. I think probably most people listening to this podcast would understand the terms wrongful cooperation and scandal, but they may not understand necessarily church witness. So, so Bishop Barris, As a bishop, what does church witness mean in terms of health care, and how do you seek to foster it?
2: I'll jump in, Joe, again, if you don't mind, because I think it's a great phrase, church witness. It's a positive phrase. Um, It's easy for people to see the standards of Catholic health care and think that many procedures which occur in non-Catholic facilities are simply forbidden by Catholic institutions. So they might see the ERDs as nothing more than just a a list of arbitrary regulations. But this doesn't really speak to the reality of the church's witness. Uh, The church's witness is to preach and defend the dignity of the human person from conception until natural death. And so far from being forbidding, the church's witness is actually life affirming. And because of this respect for the human person, Catholic health ministries are able to treat the whole person. Ultimately, church witnesses linked to the mission of Catholic health to integrate the truths of the gospel of life and our Catholic social justice teaching and all of the objective (coughs) truths of Catholic moral teaching in the real world by recognizing the dignity of the human person created in the image and likeness of God. In uh, a society that's suffering from division and violence as common occurrences in our world, our Catholic health system is a clear witness to the sanctity of human life and the importance of religious liberty and conscient- and conscious rights, and that witness benefits society as a whole and it benefits people of all faiths,
0: yeah. Absolutely. I'm really glad you started off that uh, response talking about the ERDs because I, when I do my review of the 77 directives, from my count, 10 of the directives are quote unquote negative in the sense, you know, thou shalt not do this, whereas 67 of them are positive in the sense that this is what we should be doing. And right. so, yes. Yeah. I think it's a great uh, example of witness. Bishop Barris. What final words of wisdom do you have for our listeners as we wrap up our interview today?
1: First of all, uh, Joe, to you and the entire staff at the national Catholic bioethics center, I can't begin to express the gratitude of a diocese bishop for your incredible service, your ministry, your intellectual charity, your patience with all of us, (laughs) the incredible team (laughs) approach. And, uh, you are such, National Catholic Bioethics Center is so critical to, the, as we said, the church witness in the United States and globally. Let me begin by thanking you, Joe, and the entire, Dr. Meany, and the entire staff, and all those whose shoulders uh, you stand on. All the great ethicists that you learn from, uh, because it's a generational passing on of Uh, our belief as Catholics that our objectively true moral teaching is an expression of the divine mercy. Um,
0: Thank you. Appreciate
1: that. in, In being faithful to the mission, Catholic health will provide to the communities on Long Island sacred spaces to be healed, body, mind, and spirit. The sacraments will continue to be offered and pastoral care offered in adherence to our ERDs. Formation and education on church teaching, ERDs, system-wide, is essential. Our communities, especially the poor and underserved, will continue to be reached out to and welcomed to our excellent care. This happens in our efforts to go into the communities, our parishes, our schools, Catholic charities, Gianna centers, and other agencies to provide healthcare screenings, education, pregnancy crisis support, to name just a few. In regard to Catholic healthcare in the United States, in these challenging times, in terms of government pressures, such as the Super Rule, to allow for procedures that go against our teachings about the human person, Catholic healthcare organizations will need to remain committed to Catholic identity and our church teachings and be very vigilant day-to-day and safeguarding religious liberty and recognizing the threats to religious liberty. And uh, one of the things that's very important, uh, Joe, at this time is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, every diocese in the country, every parish in the country, every Catholic institution in the country is engaged in what we're calling a Eucharistic revival. Pope Benedict XVI in Sacramentum Caritatis said that when you trace historically great moments of church reform and great moments of effective Catholic evangelization, those moments are always traced historically to a rediscovery of the real presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. Catholic Health on Long Island is a power station of Eucharistic revival on Long Island. Why is that, Joe? It's because so many people, when they're sick, when they experience the cross of sickness or health challenges and come into, into our different, uh, our six different uh, hospitals, all the different services we present, The Holy Eucharist radiates in the rooms, radiates in the hallways, through the masses we provide, of course televised, uh, as well as physically in our chapels, in our Eucharistic ministry, going in, in our celebration of the healing power of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the sick. For decades, people have been coming into Catholic health experiencing the cross of Jesus Christ, experiencing the power and radiance of the Holy Eucharist in our rooms, our hallways, our chapels, our cable TV sets. And so often, as a result of that experience of the Eucharist radiance of Catholic health, they have come back to a full practice of the faith. Catholic Health has been on automatic pilot for Catholic revival for decades, and we're even going to expand our role in a Eucharistic revival in this country, and especially in a powerful way on Long Island, New York, and in Metro New York. Excellent. Bishop
0: John Barris and Father Brandon O'Brien, thank you for joining me on Bioethics on Air.
1: Joe, just one more point is just The role of the laity is so critical and um, the apostle of the laity, the universal call to holiness and mission of our laity. One key request I have is that our laity are very active in the public square, charitably active, um, contemplatively active, that they bring the precious truths of the sanctity of human life the precious truths of our Catholic moral teaching directly into a democratic public square. And with great rectitude of intention, with a spirit of charity and mercy, but also a spirit of courage of the Catholic saints and martyrs to bring these truths directly into public square and in the networks of their relationships and society. It's so critical to the future of the world It's so critical to the mission of the Catholic Church and the United States of America and globally.
0: Amen. Thank you once again, uh, Bishop Barris and Father O'Brien, for joining me today. For more information on the topics discussed today and other bioethical issues, please visit our website, ncbcenter.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter as well as our publications, Ethics and Medics, and the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly. The views expressed on Bioethics on Air are not necessarily those of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. If you have comments or questions about this or any of our podcasts, please contact me, your host, Joe Zalot, at j-z-a-l-o-t at ncbcenter.org. Archived editions of the podcasts are available on our website. Please hover on the Blogs and Podcast button on the main page, and then click Bioethics On Air. Finally, if you enjoy our podcasts, please subscribe to them. And if you would like to support them, as well as the mission and ongoing work of the NCBC, go to our website, again, ncbcenter.org, and click on the red Donate button. Thank you for listening, and may God's peace be with you.